This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Oh my goodness, you can't make this. I know I say that a lot, but you just can't make this stuff up, can you? You know, I, I'm just watching. First and foremost, you know the old saying that if a tree falls in the forest, but there's nobody there, did it actually fall? You know, if nobody was there to hear the sound of the tree falling, did the tree actually fall? Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I barely heard anyone talking about Nikki Haley announcing that she was running for the presidency. And you have to ask yourself, why do people do that? Why do people who are smart and have had very prestigious possession, uh, positions, she was the governor of the state, um, she served as the ambassador to the United Nations under the Trump administration for its first two years. And now, you know, oh, the, the party needs uh, young people. It needs an Indian American. Like, oh, give me a break. You know, we don't need any, any kind of uh, particular person. We don't need women. We don't need Indians. We don't need uh, cowboys. We just need the best, right, the most qualified. Which leads me to uh, nobody noticed that she announced, and she will be, my prediction is she will be out of the race uh, before the first debate. Or maybe she'll survive till the first debate, but then she'll be out. Um, you know, it's heating up. It's heating up a little bit. People are going to begin to jump in. I don't know when and where. I, I know everybody's just with bated breath waiting for Ron DeSantis to jump into this race. And, you know, he, if he's as smart as he says he is and as uh, most of us think he is, I don't think he's going to come, in, come into this race. That's just my personal appearance, uh, opinion. I think he'll wait until enough damage has been done. And if he has to make a last-minute you know, entrance, it will be to save the party, not to destroy the party, which is what will happen if he has to go up against Donald Trump. Just saying. I think he's smart enough to have seen this all. I know that everybody's pulling on his ear. He's re releasing a book. And uh, when Nikki Haley released her book, then you knew she was going to announce. I mean, uh, I don't try to read those tea leaves anymore because all bets are off. People do whatever they want to do. People are being told by all kinds of experts what to do. And their egos get all entangled in this stuff. You know, it's my chance. If I don't do it now, will I ever be in this good a position? I, you know, okay. I, I don't know what he's being told. Uh, I do know that, uh, you know, if he's going to be referred to as Meatball Ron, it's going to be a very interesting uh, race between those two because uh, that's what uh, the Donald called him, I think, yesterday. Uh, and meanwhile, they don't talk about him. They talk about new leadership, young leadership, blah, 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 but they don't mention Donald Trump's name because they know better, right? They don't really want to um, get attacked. It's coming, you know, and uh, none of them are fighters except maybe Ron, and he's not a fighter like Donald's a fighter, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. There's so much to wait about, right? Um. But Nikki Haley has uh, got about as much chance of being the next president of the United States as I do, and I have no chance whatsoever, okay? The other story that just won't, 
there's two stories that just won't go away, but for some reason, they don't seem to interest much of the, the press. You know, they don't introduce Good Morning America. They don't interest, you know, the NBC, CBS, Hoobie Doobies, Networks. No, no. The New York Times, uh, they make these sort of snide comments about these two stories, but they really don't want to cover them. These these stories make the administration look terrible, and they make the police, uh, the, the uh, print media look terrible, you know. And so uh, we're not allowed to talk about the fact that uh, there's toxic chemicals being spewed all over Ohio. We're not allowed to talk about the fact that we're shooting unidentified objects out of the sky. And half of the time, um, we have no idea what they are. And the other half of the time is we're not really sure what they are. <laughs> it's like, if I made this up, if I wrote a, uh, you know, a, a a script for a television series or a movie or a play. And I said, here, the premise is that there are these things floating over the United States and that we're shooting them down out of the sky, but we're not sure what they are. Do you think that like Spielberg would buy the script and produce the movie? No. Maybe Alec Baldwin will, but uh, that's about it. And uh, Alec Baldwin might be in jail at the time, so I'm not even going to try. But I just look at this, you know, the, the way they don't want to cover this story, and it tells me everything I need to know about the validity of the story. They are endangering a bunch of people in Palestine, Ohio, really endangering them. And you have to ask yourself, why? Like if this was, uh, you know, Detroit, Michigan, or I don't know. You pick pick the pick the city, right? If it was uh, um, Liberty City, or if it was San Francisco, does anybody at all believe that they would not have immediately relocated all the people there into you know hotels in the greater metropolitan areas where they would be safe? Because I don't believe that they wouldn't. I believe they would. If this was a minority community or a community of illegal immigrants, if this was happening along the southern border, man, they'd be rushing money down there. But because it's Palestine, Ohio, which voted 78% for Donald Trump and is a Republican county, eh, what's the big deal? We'll, we'll check the air. Don't drink the water if you don't have to. What do you mean if you don't have to? These are poor people. Just because they happen to be poor white people doesn't make them any less important, right? So they don't know if they can drink the water coming out of their tap or bathe in it or anything else. And, you know, the, the worst part of that is they may not know for years if there are cancer agents in the water. But they're not worried about it. You know, Governor DeWine, what up? Oh, please. He's not worried about it. He said, look, if you can drink bottled water, drink bottled water. Well, that's okay, but for you, because you have lots of money, you can drink all the bottled water you want. But what is a family of five that's eking out a living on a farm going to do when they can't afford bottled water? And they're used to, they have a well, so they're used to just turning the tap on and drinking the water. But now we don't know if these toxic fumes have gotten into the water table. We don't know. And apparently nobody really cares. Because what are you going to lose? A few more uh, MAGA supporters? You know, no big deal. It just, it just makes me crazy. Because it's so transparent to me how they play the game differently for different groups of people.
you know, I, I would if I if I were uh, you know uh, the congressman for that district in Ohio. I don't even know who it is, although I did see a brilliant piece and put it up at the website by uh, Senator J D Vance from Ohio, where he excoriated this uh, Biden FCC nominee. You know, just made her look ridiculous, which was always fun for me. But uh, I like him. I liked Hillberry, Hillbilly Elegy. He's the hillbilly in Congress. And so he ought to be thinking about those hillbillies that are being left behind in Palestine. I'm sure he is. I think he said something the other night on television. I, I missed it, but I was told he did. And I'm thinking that, like, the congressman from that district, if he were smart, you know how— um, uh, Ron DeSantis keeps putting people on buses and Greg Abbott and sending them to various places around the country. I think he should call up Governor DeSantis and call up uh, Governor Abbott and say, hey, look, could you send about 500 uh, illegal immigrants here to Palestine as quickly as possible? Because, you see, w we, wouldn't, we wouldn't dare let illegal immigrants stay in a place where there was uh, you know, some danger, some, some toxic fumes. Oh, God forbid. You know, we're just not like that. We take care of uh, the non-citizens, the undocumented workers or whatever we're calling them this week, right? That would never happen. So if they were smart, they'd call Ron. And I'm sure Ron or Greg would be glad to accommodate them, right, and send them a couple of hundred. And, uh, and, and let's just see how that works out, you know, or even better, you know, even better. Like, go into, like, homeless encampments in San Francisco and Los Angeles, or in Oakland, even better, and uh, pick out a few homeless, um, possibly uh, drug-addled, uh, maybe even mentally ill African Americans uh, and send them to Palestine and watch how quick relief is sent. Where's FEMA? You know, I kept looking last night on all of the websites and everything. I was like, where's FEMA? If this is not a federal emergency management uh, administration problem, what is, right? This would, uh, uh, it occurs to me that it's a lot more dangerous than the aftermath of even a hurricane. You know, they're, they're, obviously we need FEMA after a hurricane, but we also have Neighbors Helping Neighbors. We have Samaritan's Purse. We have all that other stuff. Nobody's showing up in, in, in Palestine. Uh, you know, last time I heard, not uh, any of the uh, charitable organizations were sending anybody there. They had to send everybody over to Turkey. Uh, and it's just not, it's not the kind of population that attracts a lot of credit. You know what I'm saying? How shameful is that? That I live in a country, literally, that would ignore people because of their race or their political affiliation. And that's what I believe is evident in this. Because trust me, if this had happened, if a train derailed, you know, uh, here in Florida, let's say, um, you know, in, in the Dade County, in the area between Hialeah and Liberty City, if a train had derailed, and there are trains running those tracks, FEMA would be here already. Joe Biden would be here already. Definitely Kamala Harris would be here already. But instead, there is no champion for these poor white folks down in Palestine, Ohio, who voted for Donald Trump. Nope, no champion at all. Better J.D. Vance, if you want to cement your future in Washington or wherever else in politics, uh, get your behind home and go stand with the people of Palestine.
Even if you got to wear, wear the masks, right? Weren't we told that if there were toxic things, including the COVID virus, that if we put on a mask and stayed six feet apart, everything would be all right? Well, are they handing out gas masks down in Palestine for the people who are getting headaches and the people whose animals are dying? I saw some guy last night who raises foxes, which I didn't even know there was such a you know career choice. And his foxes are all lethargic and falling over and puking and dogs are doing the same thing and people got headaches. But hey, they're just the wrong color. It's all I can figure out. They're not getting help because they voted for the wrong guy, you know? So, so much for the land of the free and the home of the brave. So much for equality or equity or any of it, right? It's only available to you if you're a minority group. That's all. So that's uh, that's my whining. Not I'm not whining. I'm just uh, I'm just challenging everyone out there to think about this in a serious manner. You know why are they not sending relief? Why is FEMA not in Palestine, Ohio? You know I, I just don't get it. Why isn't the uh, you know the uh, the Justice for Palestine uh, school groups? Why aren't they down there? Oh, the wrong Palestine. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, maybe they should send some, you know, Somalian immigrants from Minnesota down there. They'll get attention then, I promise. Anyway, if I sound sarcastic, it's because I am. And if I sound ticked off, it's because I am. And meanwhile, you know, I keep looking up at the sky. It's a beautiful sky today. It's a bright blue sky with fluffy clouds. But I'm just checking, you know, if there's a balloon passing overhead, I need to be, uh, I need to know about it and I need to report it to the government because they don't know what the hell they're doing with these balloons. All right, anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. Don't forget to visit the 850 website. That's 850WFTL.com. That way you can participate in all our great contests and get uh, breaking news and all that good stuff. And uh, and you really you'll like the app. It's a great app. I I actually use that app as much as I use any other app. And and I never thought I'd say that, but it's a great app. So uh, download it on your phone or on your computer, or go to the website. Um, you won't be sorry that you did. Plus, you might win some cool gift certificate or get tickets to Rib Roundup. Who knows? You know, it's worth a shot, right? You're not in Palestine. You can still uh, participate in all such things. All right, let me take a, a quick time out. At Blazing Goalie will be joining me at 1230 to tell me what's going on in Tallahassee. Not that I really believe anything is going on right now in Tallahassee, but uh, we'll let him uh, tell us what's supposed to be going on. <laughs> we'll be right back. Oh, my goodness. You just- this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. See, every day I think to myself, it, it just won't get any crazier, right? It, it can't get any crazier. We're, we're watching as crazy uh, a time in 
in history as I've ever lived through. And I've lived through some strange times, right? Yeah. But uh, now, um, you know, I, I live in a country where a, the state of Pennsylvania had a choice, right? Who they were going to send to the Senate. They could send a guy who has never done anything in his life. He lives in his parents' house with his wife and had a stroke, a massive stroke on the campaign trail, came back from the stroke and stammered and looked confused and uh, they tried to keep him out of the public eye as much as possible or else they could have voted for Dr. Oz, who is Dr. Oz. And the Pennsylvania dude had a, you know, a pad, an iPad with him that he had to use because he has a problem with processing information that he hears. Um, and, and nobody ever, ever told the truth about how serious the situation was after the stroke, right? So they have no credibility. They had no credibility from the South, but the people of Pennsylvania voted for him, or at least that's what we're being told, right? Now the guy ends up going to the emergency room. He's on a Senate retreat, which is not exactly a high-stress situation, right? And he <clears throat> he ends up in the emergency room, and he comes back to the Senate this week, just in time to vote on some crappy, you know, uh, Senate bill, which uh, would have been uh, would have preferred he didn't get to vote on. But he he comes back, and he now carries around a different device, which literally uh, transcribes onto the screen what people say to him or say out loud that he's supposed to be listening to. And, and I, I sit here and I look at this and I say to myself, who the hell thinks it's a good idea to have someone sitting in the deliberative body of the United States Congress, the Senate, who cannot interpret the words that are being sent in any dis, uh, debate, in any uh, floor resolution, none of it, none of it. The guy needs to look at this little pad, this little, uh, you know, PDA, to figure out what's being said. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, look, I, and then you, you got people like Klobuchar, you know, saying like, well, we better get used to this kind of stuff. No. No, no, no. I don't want to get used to people who are that kind of disabled serving in very high-pressure positions. No. we got lots of healthy people in America. There, there are literally tens of thousands of healthy Pennsylvanians who could be serving in the United States Senate. Why would you need to send a guy who needs a device to interpret what people are saying in the Senate? Does that make, I mean, maybe it's just me. But I don't think we're ever going to get the truth about Fetterman and his disability. I have nothing against people with disabilities. I have nothing but sympathy for people who try to, you know, uh, be like the phoenix and rise from the ashes. But you don't get to rise from your stroke, unable to comprehend and unable to speak without halting and stammering. And we say, okay, go to the Senate. That'll be a good job for you. You know, I, I'm thinking more in terms of like, you know, let him be like a librarian for a while. You know, maybe he could be, um, you know, a, a, a receptionist at, at a, uh, you know, medical, I don't know, anywhere but like in the deliberative body of the United States government. But hey, I'm not allowed to, to question anything like that because 
Um, I, 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 you know, every day I'm presented with a choice. Huckabee Sanders said, uh, you know, every day I'm presented with a choice. Huckabee Sanders said, uh, you know, every day I'm presented with a choice between normal and crazy. I prefer normal, but apparently that makes me a crazy phobe. <laughs> and I should be much more tired and be taking stuff you have ever heard in your life and be taken serious. You know, she's, uh, she's, she attacked Jesus and the get us Super Bowl ads that uh, Max Lucado or whatever Lucado put out there, right? She said those ads made fascism look benign. In other words, she called Jesus a fascist. I, I, I can't, I, I just, I can't. I can't understand how she stays in office. I can't believe she's making $200,000 a year. You know, this barmaid um, who says the stupidest things I've ever heard. Yeah, she's the one who said, oh, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop, that's fake news. Apparently not so fake, huh? You know, looks like everybody's a little upset about it now that they realize it's not so fake. Maybe two years ago, I could have excused her for being a little wacky, but it's been a while now, right? You know, she's been sitting in the halls a long time. She was in the majority for a while, and she does not know the difference between using the term alleged and then, you know, just not sourcing stories. She just makes stuff up, says it, and then she she's just... It's just sad. It's all really sad. You know, I got Clapper, the liar, now saying over and over again, uh, well, you know, I, I wasn't really lying. You know, I, 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 when I wrote that letter, when me and those uh, 49 other former, you know, federal agents, we didn't say it was Russian disinformation. We just said it resembled Russian disinformation. When the, the chairmans uh, of, of all these law enforcement agencies and the, you know, the security experts that signed on to that letter told me that, you know, in their opinion, it could be Russian disinformation, I took that seriously for about 30 seconds. But, but other people took it seriously, period. And no, no, um, it wasn't, it wasn't true any more than wearing a mask was going to keep you from getting COVID, any more than any of the other garbage that me? Probably not, because you're probably thinking the same. Fine, can you really blame me? All right, and uh, welcome back. As we do every other week, we have Senator Blaze Ngolia on the line. He is uh, currently serving as the senator from District 11, which is, I guess that's what, Spring Hill, that area? Tallahassee area? No, um, District 11 is Pasco County, part of Pasco County, all of Hernando, all of Citrus, and all of Sumter County, which includes the villages. Oh, okay. So, all right, I got you completely wrong. I'm on the wrong coast with where you're supposed to be. <laughs> but that's okay, because uh, you're all up there trying to do the right thing. Now, you just filed a bill, actually two bills, that you think are going to be good for the taxpayers. I don't know any... Um, elected representatives uh, going to Washington who ever think about the taxpayers. So it's good to know that at the <laughs> local level, we are finally doing that. Please tell us what this is all about. Yeah, sure. And thank you for allowing me to explain uh, these bills. So there's two bills. 
And both of them, we believe, are taxpayer-friendly bills and are bills meant to protect the taxpayer against government. So one bill regards regards the process of putting tax questions. You know, when local governments or school boards don't want to uh, authorize a tax increase themselves, they put it to the voters, and the voters are able to say yes or no whether they want to um, incur a new tax. And a lot of that has to do with sales taxes, if they want to raise an additional uh, half cent or full cent through the sales tax. But when you do that, there there comes an expiration date. It's only good for four, six, ten years. Um, So what local governments are starting to do, because they try to get slick with this stuff, is let's say theoretically the, uh, the tax is set to expire on 2026. Instead of putting it on the ballot in 2026, they're putting the reauthorization question to reauthorize that money, that sales tax, on the 2024 ballot. And what that does is that if they put it on the 2024 ballot and they fail, and it fails, and the voters say, no, we don't want this tax anymore, then they come back and they put it on the 2026 ballot when it expires. So they're trying to get two bites of the apple in order to continue taxing the residents. And I think that's unfair. Um, You should have one question, and if it fails, it fails, and if it passes, it passes. So that's Mm -hmm. one bill. And the other one is a little bit more nefarious in in my belief. Um, As you know, every two years, uh, and it's not just every two years, you have um, cities that actually have municipal elections that don't fall on November. But uh, every two years you have turnovers in your boards, whether it's a city commission, whether it is a, a, a school board, or whether it is a county commission. And what I've noticed is that prior to the election, just when the school board or county commission is going to turn over, they're giving, they're extending lucrative contracts for their county administrators, their superintendents, right before the election, knowing very well that they may not be there at all, and they're sticking and they're saddling the new board with contracts and the decisions that were made by the old board. Now, the problem with that is, um, well, the good thing is that in the process where you have actually someone good and you want to keep them, you want to wrap them up early um, and keep them. But what we're seeing is a lot of these boards are firing these high-paid bureaucrats, and they're going to have to pay out severance, sometimes up to six months. So if you have somebody making $200,000 a year that everyone thinks is doing a horrible job, the outgoing board is rewarding the person with a contract extension only to be fired by the new board and pay them $100,000 severance. Mm. That, to me, is shameful. That, that needs to stop. You need look no further than the Broward County School Board recently um, and the school superintendent who was hired and then fired and then rehired and then fired and is getting a severance of uh, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars for doing nothing. You know, for failing miserably. Yeah. And I don't get that. And look, people are going to get fired and hired all the time. I get that. But what my bill says is that you cannot make those decisions within 12 months of an election. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. at least it gives um, the new board some time uh, to make that decision. And it also, it's not happening like just before an election and a turnover. 
So I think that's important for taxpayers to understand in terms of transparency. Uh, we're saving taxpayer dollars and we're holding government accountable to the taxpayers. Yeah, well, it's a, you're not going to get an argument about that from me. I, I, you know, I do have to say I know you have the, the, the governor's ears, and I, I came up with a really uh, what I think is a brilliant idea today that I think that, you know, this, these people in Palestine, Ohio, that are suffering with this toxic, uh, you know, train derailment that can't seem to get any help from the government, if the governor would send some illegal migrants to Palestine, I'm thinking they'll rush aid money there quick. You know, it's uh, you bring up two two very valid points, um, and I know that you're you're making a um, a policy point here. But there's two policy points. Is number one is that Pete, uh, Pete Buttigieg is just doing a horrible job, mm-hmm. and when things like this happen, they're just so flippant. But the other part of that is that yeah, we have a major illegal immigration problem um, in in the United States, and um, and we're spending money on that when we could be spending money on fixing the infrastructure. And, you know, Mayor Pete, maybe he'd finally get off of his butt and finally do something. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I can after watching uh, this Governor DeWine, I more than ever appreciate Governor DeSantis. But, you know, just all of this, uh, you know, talk and, and urging him to run and, and all this other stuff is really wearying for the state of Florida, Florida you know. I have to tell you, I voted for him to be my governor. I did not vote for him to, you know, write books or become the president. Not yet, anyway. And and it's very frustrating. I'm sure everywhere you go, they ask you, is he going to run? Is he going to run? Is he going to run? That's all anybody ever asked me from around the country. And, like, you know, when did we become so, uh, you know, convinced that we, you have to run now or you can never run in the future? I, I don't know. What Do you have any idea what he's actually thinking? I don't, and, and quite frankly, I was just with the governor about an hour ago, and it's not a topic of conversation. I will tell you that every conversation that I've had with the governor over the last six months has been revolving around how do we make things better? How do we, um, how do we help people? How do we help students and parents? How do we help small businesses? How do we push back against the federal government and the Biden administration? So, look, I think it's just a natural byproduct when you have such a strong governor who is pushing back on, uh, on the federal government and doing things that people have tried to do in state government for a long time, it's only natural that people are going to gravitate towards that and, and start asking questions, are you looking at, at the presidency? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue that, look, we have, um, we have an ex-president, past president Donald Trump, who did a phenomenal job up there and everything that he did, he's uh, most likely um, going to be going through and running. Um, uh, if Governor DeSantis does run, uh, then we'll have someone else as strong. But that's a strong contrast to, like, let's say Nikki Haley, who just yeah. announced today. I like Nikki Haley personally, but um, she's not the strong leader that we need. So what I say is let's not let's not um, let's not worry about people talking about our governor um, and the potential to be a presidential candidate, we should actually look at that as a good thing, that he's that strong and he's leading in ways that people haven't led before, that people are talking about him doing that. Whether he does or not, that's obviously up to him. And I'm sure those decisions are going to have to be made within the next 
I would say 60 to 120 days right. because you have the RNC's debate schedule starting. Um, I want to say in August. So yeah, some of these August. political yeah. calculations are going to be have to made sooner rather than later. Right. And and you're beginning to see the movement on the part of other candidates. And, you know, they're all just sort of I, I think a lot of them are waiting to see what he does, you know, because it's going up against the two of them would probably be a, a fate worse than death. But, uh, uh, you know, I just as I said before, I'm selfish. You know, um, I can I can see him down the line being a phenomenal president. But right now I live in one of the few states that has any kind of freedom and integrity. Um, I'm not willing to right. sacrifice that, and unless you're willing to tell me right now that you will step into that position should he run, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna support the other big guy. <laughs> I, uh, wait, just so I understand, are you asking me if I'm gonna run for governor? That's what I'm asking you. Yeah, that's that's a that is a much longer conversation, and <laughs> and who knows what the future holds. I'm actually chunking. I appreciate I appreciate the thought that you think, Joyce. You think that that much of me that you actually brought that up. It's actually making me smile right now. I do think that much of you, and I actually was asking it in a very serious manner because if I'm going to lose Governor DeSantis, I got to know what's in the pipeline. And you know, your name Look, is the one that I come there up. There are with. a bunch of people in this in this state that have a pipeline. There is a pipeline of very good leaders here in the state of Florida. I appreciate you uh, and the thought of of saying that I'm one of them. But um, there, uh, we don't have we don't have a pipeline issue when it comes to this state and leaders. We don't have a pipeline issue when it comes to national leaders and people who could potentially be president. But and you, that is a sharp, sharp contrast to um, the what the Democrats have, right? The Democrats will literally have no bench whatsoever. When you are in a position where Governor Newsom, which has proposed some of the most radical um, policies that the United States have ever seen, basically being run by a, best, a bunch of leftists in California, um, when that is your natural front runner, him and Kamala Harris, you've got big problems as a party. Yeah, you do. And when you get a guy elected in the state of Pennsylvania who, like, now has to have a device that interprets what what the auditory words are being said in the Senate, in the deliberative body, you got no bench. But then again, uh, you know, they sure know how to steal an election. So I'm just I'm just concerned. I don't want to lose the governor and lose the presidency. So you tell him that. Uh, you know, Joyce, every every time that we talk, every time that we talk, it's like. Um, I'm always trying to lift you up. Yeah, I'm always trying true. to give you the positive and, and, and like shake you up and say, hey, Joyce, we're going to get through this. We're going to do awesome. So okay. just continue to keep your heads up. Continue to think positive. And it's not just you, Joyce. Everyone listening to me right now. Um, yeah. We are in the process of turning um, this country around. Now, the challenge with that, it's like turning a big ship, like a big cruise ship. It doesn't turn on the dime because if it did, we would have turned the ship around years ago. But there are leaders out there who are fighting for us, who are fighting for our businesses, our parents, our children, our families. Um, so just continue to stick with us. Stay positive. We're going to get this done. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we have a couple of technical problems here, but uh, we'll do the best we can to get through the remainder of this program. I, uh, my producer was able to say goodbye to Senator Ingolia, who I think I really surprised when I told him that he should be the next governor. But that's okay. Because uh, he's got the right stuff, so I'm just going to leave that out there. I still want our governor to remain our governor for 
the duration of his term. I think there's plenty of time for a young man like him to uh, to actually, uh, well, just to, to become president of the United States. Everybody, Every boy dreams about it, don't they? Every girl now dreams about it as well. So I think it's important that uh, we keep the dream alive, but we also keep the state in great condition. That would be pretty important to me. I read another interesting piece today, and I was thinking about doing a whole uh, No Restraint podcast about it, about the level of mental illness. The CDC has been sounding the alarm about extremely high levels of depression and suicidal thoughts and substance abuse and violence that are being experienced by teenage girls and by the LGBTQ plus youth, right? The data was collected in the fall of 2021, and it offers the first glimpse of CDC uh, youth risk behavior surveillance, and and it's since the beginning of the COVID lockdowns, which, of course, changed everything and challenged everybody. Nearly three in five high school girls surveyed, or 57%, reported feelings of persistent sadness or hopelessness. That's a 60% increase over the past decade. 30% of teenage girls said they've seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. That's a 20% increase. (coughs) Excuse me, folks. And 14% of boys said they've seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. That's a... Oh, this is going to be brutal. That's a 15% increase since 2011. More than one in 10 teen girls said that they've been forced to have sex. I'm not even sure how you get that statistic. Um, That's a 27% jump from 2019. And the first increase that the CDC has seen since they started collecting that kind of data, right? It's like meteoric when you think about it. Um, Many of these numbers were already on the rise before COVID, but the lockdowns and the other factors really, really just made it a whole lot worse. So, um, you know, this is is interesting statistics, and it would also explain why you got so many of these gender dysphoric uh, clusters happening. Because when people feel disconnected and when people feel depressed, the first thing that they go through is there's something wrong with me. Now, you apply that to adolescents or young teens, and the only answer that they can actually come up with is, yeah, it has to be me. So the um, 70% of all students who identify as LGBTQ, um, which leaves out the T for transgender, said that they suffer persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. Nearly half of them said they're seriously considered attempting suicide. One in four say they did attempt suicide. Now, think about that. We actually have proof now, or at least studies now, that tell us that these teenagers who are believing they're going to be better off in another body are worse off than the ones who don't think that. That's scary. I don't know what this sounds like on the outside here, but I'm getting a lot of feedback on my phone. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to try and straighten this out. I'll be right back. <laughs> 
All right. My apologies. We're just having uh, some technical difficulties. That does happen even in the best of circumstances. And really, it doesn't happen that much to us. So I'm not going to complain about it. Um, But I had another story that I wanted to get to today. And that is that and, and this was totally predictable. And I only have a few minutes, so I'll probably address it again tomorrow. For the first time ever, we're spending more time watching digital video on platforms like Netflix and TikTok and YouTube than we are watching TV. In a historic first, the market tracker expects linear TV to account for less than half of daily viewing, dropping to under three hours while average daily digital video watching climbs to 52.3% with three hours and 11 minutes. I can only tell you this, and I know it's anecdotal, I do. I watch way more stuff on my laptop and my cell phone than I actually watch on my television. And when I do watch my television set, I am literally watching a streaming service. I One hour or maybe one hour a day and not on Saturdays, any of it, just one hour on Monday through Friday and one hour on Sunday is devoted to a cable network. And the rest of the time, if I look up at that television screen, this is me personally, my husband watches television, but I don't. If I look up at that television screen, it is to look at a streaming service and primarily to look at a movie like Amazon Prime or Netflix. So this is entirely a believable statistic to me. My producer, um, they don't even bother with television. They all have streaming services. They got the Fire Sticks and the Tubi's and the the Hulu's and the whatever, and Amazon Prime, and that's what they're watching. My kids, my my children, who are extremely well healed, shall we say? No, let's say it like it is. They're rich, right? They could have any amount of cable television that they want. They all watch streaming service because they're not interested in watching network television. They're barely interested in watching cable television. I think the only services that they ever would watch would be sports events, and you can get those on streaming services. So it's like this is entirely believable, but what does it mean for the future of television? The vast wasteland. The only person who's going to be happy about this is me because I don't watch it, you know, and all these young people because they don't watch it. But there's a whole generation that's going to go crazy when they figure out that there's not, not a whole lot being offered on television because there's no audience for it. The audience is online. The audience is streaming. And that's the future. I read a great article also about radio. How has radio, talk radio, changed since the demise of Rush Limbaugh and how Rush this is two years later. How would Rush have handled all the social media and the question whether or not he would be uh, able to make the transition? He was making that transition better than anybody. He would have handled it. I'm going to handle it. I'm doing podcasts. We all have to get uh, get on board because there's no other future. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon. Hopefully, we'll have anything ironed out that needs to be ironed out. And, uh, and you know, this this show will go smoothly. Uh, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And do the right thing. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.